What happens when you get to connect with the different flavors of your sexuality and discover that the search for the archetype of the concubine becomes becomes actually the search for your own power. Today, I have Katarina Snyder, who has been a beautiful, beautiful friend. We have shared so many conversations, and we're going to talk about divergent sexuality and how she has found so much power in the discovery of her own pleasure and sexuality as tools of liberation. Welcome, Katarina. It's a beautiful pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be talking about this with you and to dive into our journeys. And I, I have always loved and admired your, your view on sex and sexuality and on feminism and whatnot. And I'm excited to talk about this because it's, it's very different than how it's generally treated and thought about in vanilla mainstream society. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I have had such of the best conversations on these topics with you. Like those, uh, we, we have a whole, uh, a whole season of like four or five conversations. On, yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, they, they have been so delightful. Uh, and it's just really powerful to connect with other people that have a similar view when it comes to being divergent, rebellious, uh, embracing a different flavor of the things that people usually just, uh, just accept as a given. And that, that's, that, that's deeply liberating because it makes sense to, to the things that we find along the way. And one of these things is that I, I know that your journey has been a lot about reclaiming your pleasure and using that pleasure for business for uh for helping others find their own joy their own power uh and i know you call this uh, i love the name divergent sexuality so i would really love to hear uh, from you what this term encompasses for you I think for me, the idea of divergence just on its own is this idea of going against the sort of convergent conformist culture that we live in. And in that culture, our sexuality as, um, as like cis women, as, you know, assigned females at birth, um, is treated very much as a commodity and as a form of currency. And because of that, our sexuality sort of feels owned by someone else. And, and it's weird because we're both, um, we're punished for being too sexual and then we're punished for not being sexual enough. And we're, so we're stuck in sort of this, this double bind. And for me, the idea of divergent sexuality is allowing each person to do it in their own way and to weave together and do whatever things they whatever things they want to right in terms of it's sort of like the ultimate form of fluidity mm -hmm. right it is just this unconditional permission to unapologetically 
want what you want, whether we're talking about the genders and people that you're attracted to, whether we're talking about the relationship models that we're attracted to, whether we're talking about how, you know, you do intercourse and sex, like whatever we're talking about, sexuality for me is, is just a fundamental and foundational part of who we are. And I think, especially for women of all kinds, it's one of our greatest sources of power. And one of the sources in this world that, you know, patriarchy and monolithic religion and whatnot have, and white supremacy have have strived to rob us of, you know, I mean, really rape is not about sex. It's about control. Right. And it's, and, and a lot of the approaches to recovering from sexual assault even are very convergent. They're just say no, just avoid sex. And I think that's fucking bullshit. I hope I can swear. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that we each need to do it in our own way. And to do that is, is to embrace our own divergent sexuality. Mm, I love that. I love that. And it, it, it just moves me so much because I think that that encompasses, yeah, our sexual expression, uh, mm-hmm. our expression in the world as beings, uh, our business expression, our expression as neurodivergent people as well, like thinking different, not, not thinking as monoliths, um, and recognizing that that's, uh, our brains are wired even differently. That, 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 mm-hmm. oof, that, that's such a powerful statement and recognition that that it's so important that we start embracing and then what happens when women or or people who identify as women start embracing this sexuality that was dropped from us what do they discover along the way because I, I have found that that's one of the things that it's the hardest for people to recognize uh, they they come when when people approach sexually open people. First of all, they find a first wall that it's the wall of their own rejection and internalized uh, internalized everything sexism, internalized misogyny, internalized fear of what is different, internalized white supremacy. So. Uh, just daring to speak with people that make a difference, that look different, that that openly speak about being divergent, that that takes that takes courage. That's what I get told a lot. <laughs> you know, like I can't believe this is how you show up. You know, and um, it does, but it also I think that it's a source of our power because we're owning what people have intended to rob from us for so long. And we're saying, not only are we not allowing you to take it from us, but we're going to do it our own way. And, and for me, this is the key. We're not going to hide it and be ashamed of it, you know? And so when I think about like, why do I post pictures of, you know, my 43 year old fat, body in a, in a very sexual way online, I do it so that other people who are also divergent can see that 
your sexuality can be anything that you want it to be. And that it's not something that you need to hide or be ashamed of, because I feel like, especially, and honestly, I don't even know if this is specific to like assign females at birth, but just people who are divergent, um, like all queer people, for instance, right. All neurodivergent people, for instance, like all like disabled people or people of color. It's like sex. We've been taught that sex is not ours. Sex belongs to cis, white, straight men, uh, able-bodied, you know, neurotypical men. Sex belongs to them. And so when we reclaim it as our own, we level up our individual power and it becomes not even about anyone else, but about our sexuality with ourselves. That's the most important sexual relationship that we have. And that's how we map out a path and really get to know who we are, as opposed to fitting into one of the various boxes that we've been told are attractive or desirable or whatnot. And I think it's really a revolutionary act as someone who is not seen as um, sexy by mainstream vanilla standards to be so blatant and out with my sexuality and to be so unapologetic, to be so unapologetic about it, I think is an act of revolution. It is. Um, first of all, thank you because it's beautiful art. It's beautiful to see you. Like I, I love your photos. I love your art. I love your expression of yourself. I, I feel like that's the thing uh, about our expression. We actually, as people that is divergent, we are actually bringing the color in. I was just thinking about the beautiful analogy of your background as this beautiful, colorful background over this white canvas. And, 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 and that's what divergent people are. We are, we are the color. Every, the color. If people were, were all about the beauty standard, just being the only people that is visible, we would have the most boring experience in the world because yeah. that is just so, so alike. We, we would have just uh, fields of the same flower uh, instead of having colorful flowers and colorful spaces and, and different wild flowers everywhere. So I feel like that that's the thing that we are expecting to have a bunch of grass, not even flower, but a bunch of grass when we yes, are wild yes. jungles. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I think this idea that divergent people are the color and we therefore are bringing the color into sexuality, right? And what's actually interesting is like a lot of even the people that fit within the group that set the power standards for sexuality in our society, the cis white straight men actually have very divergent sexuality a lot too, but they're ashamed of it, yeah. you know? And I think in a lot of ways, like we as divergence actually liberate even, even the groups that are in power and trying to repress us. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, that's exactly what it is. We're bringing color to what is seen in very black and white um, or it just in grayscale, right? And, and we're saying like, no, we can do it differently. And I, I just, I cannot state enough this idea of how reclaiming sexuality as our own is so important because like growing up, I was 
sexually harassed and sexually assaulted and all these things so much because society saw me as I fit perfectly the standard of what a beautiful sexual woman is when I was younger, right? Because also, you know, women are really only seen as desirable until they hit what, like 20, you know, and then, and then like we lose massive amounts of sexual desirability. And, and so, yeah, I think not only like bringing our color to it, but then like allowing that color to be seen by others is such an incredible contribution. And at the same time, so deeply empowering and it just takes our power back. It stops other people from owning it to the extent that we can anyways, in the society that we live in, as we try to revolt and change it. Exactly. I love that. That is so important because uh, so much to unpack there from the fact that, that patriarchy it's into, into disempowering us at the youngest that they can disempower us and make us feel like we are objects and not people and that we are the other and that we are there to serve uh, the the desires of just this tiny group of people Uh, up to how liberating it is when we when we say okay no I'm not an object I am I am my own person and with that recognition how we liberate everybody including including also men that that people in power i love that you you bring that up like they they uh, heterosexual cis uh, white men also have a colorful sexuality they are just keeping it back in the closet yeah yeah Yeah, you know and, and they know that if they share their sexuality in the current you know culture that we live in that they're gonna fall off the top of the ladder right? That they're on. And it's like, and so really it's these systems essentially that force us to choose between either being sexually repressed or to being sexually objectified, neither of which is liberating. Right. And, and it's like, but yet we're presented with, those are the only two options. Um, and, and, and as a result, you know, we were sort of forced into choosing one without ever truly knowing what our actual sexual desires are. And so I know for me personally, one of the things I'm working through now is like, where are the lines between my authentic sexual desire, um, my trauma, and specifically my sexual trauma, and then social conditioning, especially what I've seen in porn and the media, right? And so like, where's the line? A, A, one of the things I'm realizing is that the lines move on different days and at different times, but then B, it's like, I've never really stopped to think about that, you know, and and to understand it more deeply. And it's like being able to define that for ourselves to first recognize that that's the reality for all of us is that our sexuality, there's an authenticity to it. There's trauma in it. There's social conditioning in it. And then to like give ourselves permission to begin to draw those lines for ourselves and then to move those lines as we need to as well. Yeah. Um, because I don't think our sexuality ever stops evolving. Yeah. I, I think it's like, I, I know, like one of the things that stopped me from coming out as from even acknowledging to myself that I'm queer for, cause I didn't come out until I was 40 was this idea. I was like, well, I didn't know when I was five years old that I liked, you know, that I liked different genders and that I liked, um, you know, like women and whatnot. Like, I didn't know that therefore 
I can't actually be queer because when I hear queer people talk, they're like, I knew I was never attracted to the opposite sex, blah, blah, blah. I knew from the time I was a little kid and like, blah, 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 blah. And we have this very rigid idea of sexual orientation, of sexual expression and whatnot. When in reality, since we as humans are always evolving, why isn't our sexuality as well? And why don't we have permission to, to explore that and to own that and to, to talk about that? Mm, yes. Yes, yes, yes. And then for, for, for me, it's been impressive how um, the gateway to entering into, into this road of self-discovery of this, of this uh, ever-changing expression of ourselves, it's usually the desire to be part of the part of the of the group of power to be accepted by them right like yeah. i want to be part of the of, of um the sexy ones the the ones that are accepted the ones that are loved i want to be a better lover i want to be to be uh, to, to be able to have amazing sex with my partner and then we just start going deeper into that gate of self-discovery that that embracing our sexuality takes us and what we find is that we no longer want the same things that got us hooked into Started. into our pleasure in the first place that we are actually changing and evolving and uh, and our desire and our perception of life and our no they, they change as we change and all of a sudden we are we are in love with our own bodies, in love with our expression uh, of our sexuality uh, and looking at how it changes and just loving this constant transformation. And that's actually where, where the magic happens because we start bringing that sense of liberation to many different layers at the same time. I think absolutely. And for me, the layers of liberation that have come through my, you know, a big part of the reason I have my own business is so I can talk about this stuff publicly because I couldn't get hired at this point. I mean, yeah. I was already pretty unemployable when I started, but like, you can't talk about this shit publicly and like get hired by a company because it's so, it's so outside the box. Right. And for me, I've had this beautiful weaving of liberation through my business, liberating then me to talk about my sexuality and then my talking about my sexuality to then liberate me to talk about other stuff and, and, and like, and liberate me just in different ways, you know, in, in trying different relationship models, right. As opposed to just marriage and monogamy. Right. Um, like I, I always, like, I always love to say like, there's, well, I don't know, 7.6 billion people in the world. And yet we think one relationship model is going to work for all of us. Yeah. Right? Like, and one body is ridiculous. the perfect body and one kind of, of, uh, yes. way of thinking. It's the way of thinking. And one emotional reality is the emotional reality that we all yes. aspire to when we have such a different life experience and, and different mixture that has made us unique at this point yeah and i mean that's sort of the epitome of convergent culture is there's one way there's one best way there's one best way to have sex there's one best way to look there's one best way to have a relationship there's always one best way there's not multiple best ways there's not different ways but yet as humans we're wildly unique 
Yeah. Uh, and especially like divergence, right? Who a lot of times society would call us marginalized people, which I think is just like the worst term ever because it's so degrading. Um, and so like as divergence, we're even more different than, you know, people who, who do classify as, as normal or average. And what's ironic too is like, and this is one thing that really pissed me off once I actually started to dig into the research of sexual desire is that what mainstream society tells us, what vanilla society tells us about sex and especially um, about our sexuality um, if we are assigned female at birth is like that it, it's untrue, right? So we're told that like, you know, for instance, that cis men only desire women that look in a certain way. And yet if you look at the research, that's not true. We fantasize mostly about the people in our lives. We don't fantasize about porn stars. We don't fantasize about movie stars. Um, and there's not a big difference between like genders either. Like in general, we fantasize about the people in our lives. And, and then also this idea that, you know, like men have this, you know, super high libido and that like women don't, right? And, and then even just the fact that that's all that's ever talked about right? It, that we're combining gender to these binaries of men and women. And it's just like, when you actually start to look at the research, you discover that so much of what we're sold is actually a load of bullshit. Yeah. And, and that, that for me was like a really big turning point, once I actually started to look at the research. And I was like, that was like a level of liberation that I got then, because it, it really made me see that my divergence is valid and normal yeah oh my gosh and then um i just have the sun here let me turn around a little bit um but but there's something so powerful about that it's and i want to point it out because that's one of the tools that has been just against us for a long time uh and and it is the fact that we are considered less um less informed like we are just expressing some wild desire that we have but we don't really know what we are talking about because you know men are the ones that, that think and men and women are the ones that do the feeling and there's nothing else in between like those kind of very toxic ideas yeah. and what i want to point out is that you're speaking about real research uh yeah your, your whole line of work is based on research it's based yeah. on the research of how uh desire actually works not about how some dude with a podcast in his mom's basement thinks <laughs> that desire works but about how uh actually uh it has been studied uh, uh yeah. and proven that desire works how we actually are uh, are connected to uh wanting people that look in different ways that that, that yeah. people that that are present in our lives how the libido of men and women are not that way off as, as it's sold to us by by this by this pseudo uh influencers or whoever they are like they yeah. this this is all research and you do that a lot like your your and I really want to to signal that because that's something that I love about your your way of showing up. You show up sexy, wild, uh, colorful, radiant, and yet again, 
you you have also this other part that it's deeply uh, studied, knows what she's talking about, has does research when it comes to to the marketing strategy that she's going to apply with her people. Like that matters a lot in a world that it's so used to just having one or the other. You know, the loud guys screaming to a microphone from mom's basement, or or the the white young skinny girls that with flowy dresses trying to please them and and we we are bringing this other flavor that it's actually a flavor that is based on academic research uh, that, that that's something that i feel it's so important to bring up like all the, the the these people are thinking that they are discovering the wheel but the wheel has been studied extensively by academics for a long time and we are just taking it and saying okay listen this already existed and this is what it looks like uh, yeah. and we are just making that visible right yeah thank you for pointing that out because th yeah this isn't like opinion this is like academic research from well-established universities and programs and you know people with phds and like doing all the stuff you need to do to to have you know valid research and it's like but and, and and what's actually ironic about it too is a lot of people doing the research that are like disproving this benefit from not disproving it and so the fact that they're coming out so like 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 the fact that like there's you know cis you know white heterosexual men coming out and sharing research that conflicts with the patriarchy and the other systems of oppression that protect them, I think is really unique and powerful, right? It's like, it really, and of course it's not all the research, for instance, some of the really interesting research, um, for instance, that like Wednesday, uh, Martin talks about in her book on true is primate research and understanding how um, females, like female primates, especially bonobos, how they treat sexuality. Right, because we also tend to like really like to think of sex as like a human thing, and in animals as it only being reproductive. But like bonobos, for interest, for instance, like I think it's like at the San Diego Zoo, they have them like off in a corner because they have sex so much they don't want too many people to see them. And <laughs> and they did research, and what they discovered was that the female bonobos, a couple of things: a, if they don't circulate out the males often enough, they get depressed because the female bonobos need novelty and new sexual partners. And then B, that the female bonobos have sex with one another as a way of social bonding. Mm. And, and I think it's, it was so fascinating to read about this various research and in, in relation to how we view sex, you know, in the human species, you know, be between it. And it's just like, I think it's so fascinating when we take a step back and actually start looking at you know, the really legitimate academic research versus sort of what people are putting out that's just based on their political views, especially when the results conflict with the political views of those doing the research. To me, that's sort of like an extra checkpoint. Yeah. Uh, I, and I love that because actually, uh, and I'm sure you know this already, but to the people watching this, like uh, bonobos and chimpanzees have been the most uh, studied primates, but chimpanzees are more like patriarchal communities that when the strongest one it's the ruler and bonobos are more like matriarchal communities where it's actually the oldest wisest most 
sexual bonobo, uh, that it's a female actually, that, that it's leading the whole pack. So it, it, it's uh, interesting that we are actually closer genetically to bonobos than yes. to chimpanzees. But since chimpanzees fit the agenda of patriarchy, like, yes. oh, look, we, we are like them. I'm like, no, yes. no, no, we're more like, like them. <laughs> we're <fucking> yes. <laughs> right? And it's so like, uh, that's that's interesting. I didn't I didn't know specifically about the patriarchy versus matriarchy, and so that's so fascinating. But you're you're right. It's like we often like to to choose the research that supports the beliefs that we have versus like taking a step back and like looking at it all and and, and you know and understanding. And of course, there's limitations of research and things that it can't. You know, if it can't be measured, you can't research it, right? But there's some really interesting insights more and more that are coming out ab about us and. To kind of go back to the point that you you talked about earlier about this whole idea of like in society we're very much presented with either someone who is sexy and 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 wild and and out there and then there's science and we're taught that they're very opposite things and I think for me one of the things that I try to do um, personally is to invite that paradox to exist and live together and I think you know one of the most powerful things. One of the ways in which women are, you know, assigned females at birth are devalued is by we're, we're, we're told we have to choose, right? You can be sexy or you can be smart. You can yeah. never be two because is there anything more threatening in this world than an intelligent, sexually empowered woman, especially if she's financially independent? She then has no need at all for like anything. And it's a total game changer. And I think for me personally, A, I do people a service when I bring in science and research. It's an important part of the work. But then I'm also not going to like cover up and show up as the way that I'm supposed to according to patriarchal standards. Um, and that's gotten used against me a lot in my life, but I feel like it's beginning to change. Yeah, I, I, and I'm sorry that it's been used against you. I know that it's been used against me as well. Like, uh, it's yeah. so threatening that we are, uh, we that there is this need to put us back in our place yes. through sexual violence, through harassment, through yeah. making us feel ashamed or embarrassed for our bodies, for existing, for breathing, for, for you know, there, there's always something messed up with us. In, according to, to these systems of oppression that uh, aim to have us disempowered because there's nothing more dangerous though, than a woman that is intelligent, that it's uh, embracing her sexuality and her pleasure and that it's financially independent and how beautiful that, that we get to reclaim that because that, that's the thing I have found that they are so interconnected. Yeah, that, 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 it's almost like a triangle, right? Yeah. Of, of intelligence, sexuality, and money. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because I have seen that when people, okay, I will speak about my own experience there. The moment I embrace my sexuality, I embrace my ambition. Mm. I embraced that I wanted more from life. I embraced that I wanted to have more experiences, to have more money to make those experiences happen, to want safety, to, to experience my body the way I want to experience. Like, I recognize that my pleasure and my ambitions 
go hand in hand. Like they cannot be separated one from the other. They are separated when they are at the service of somebody else, when somebody is just taking my body for their pleasure. Yeah. But the moment I take my pleasure in my hands and I make it about my aliveness yeah. and my connection with my body, my ambitions immediately follow. They, they cannot be left behind. Wow. I feel like that, I feel like we need to mic drop on that because that is such a brilliant insight. And you really have put into words for me what I've experienced, but didn't quite have the words to put together is that, yeah, our, especially when we allow ourselves to be very divergent in our sexuality. So for me, for instance, one of the things that involves is BDSM and kink, right? And when I do that, when I allow myself to like go way off into the wilderness with my sexuality. And when I always put my pleasure first, which I'm going to be honest, I've never really had a problem with that for most of my life. I've always been like, uh, I'm not as, not as much as I am about me now, but I've always at least been an egalitarian about it. Right. And been like equal pleasure. Now I'm more focused on my own pleasure and also not needing to get that pleasure from someone else always. Um, and yeah, you're right. It really, when you claim that it fuels ambition, it fuels motivation, it fuels power. It gives us a fearlessness, you know, that's like, I think, and I think it's because like, and it's interesting too, like I've been learning a little bit more about sort of the way that like spirituality and religion worked before monolithic religion came in and was like, there's one God and it's a, it's a he, right? And, and I, I read more about it in the context um, of like dominatrices, right? So the do like professionally dominant women or women who are just dominant in the bedroom and their life and their relationships, whatever. And for a long time, that was part of religion. We saw very powerful goddesses and we worshiped them and they were their their sexual power was just part of their overall power and part of their ambition and whatnot. And so I feel like we're almost tapping into an ancestral universal source of ambition and power when we claim our sexuality and pleasure. And, and that's genius. I think you said it absolutely perfectly. Yeah, thank you. And I agree with you that that's the, these goddesses of, of, for me, that has been such a passion, like the, the way of the goddess, how uh, the, the vertical system of control and dominance of the world that has been patriarchy versus the yeah. horizontal way of living and experiencing world, the world, that it's the way in which, in which these old goddesses were, were venerated. It was about the pleasure of everybody, the, the safety of the community, the thriving yeah. of the community. And the, the truth is that that is the difference. When people think about women taking power, they are afraid that women will do that in the same way that men have done it. Uh, and it's, yeah. uh, I know it's a system, it's not necessarily about gender, but it's about a system that has, that has made it clear because it, it works for them uh, that there were two, two, two genders, right? Like, like I was reading just today morning, Laurie Penny um, in her book, Unspeakable Things saying, Gender, yeah. gender roles are performance for profit. 
and I was like, that that has that 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 has been the thing. It's been performance for profit. And then we what what we're trying to do is oh just one second, you just cut out. Oh, can oh, you no, see okay, that? there you go. Sorry, I missed what you said there at the end. Oh, that, that we want to thrive, to, to connect back to thriving as a community, not just to, to, to play a role in order to be, to be accepted and to be, and to be able to, to get profit from it. And you know what? It's so funny. Like when you said that performance for profit, I immediately thought of how, um, you know, assigned females at birth are taught to perform in bed to basically profit in the way like the man orgasms then, right? And then that gets us whatever it is we need to get from them, whether it's money, whether it's like attention, love or like whatever. And it's like, I, that's how we are taught to behave in bed. We are taught to perform in order to get, you know, it's our currency, right? And so- as much as gender roles are performed, I think that sex roles are too. And, and sexuality is yeah. performative as well. And it's like, and even when I look at, for instance, in the world of like kink and BDSM, when we look at like um, feminine dominance and like, you know, women who dominate men, whether it's professionally or whatnot, when you look at it in pornography, it's still entirely performative versus how you see it actually happening in real life in either like couples or on like a professional level with pro doms it's completely and wildly different and so we're taught to perform our sexuality and our gender yeah and even our expression when it comes to business to to art to how we speak like i remember when i was um when i was younger i was so young and i was already being asked to dress as a as an adult version of myself like to dress like a, like a lady to dress more wow. more like like uh, it, it was pretty much dressing like a senora dressing like a lady uh, and now i'm like dude i was a go- I, I was such a heavy metal uh, person i want i love to wear black and to wear you know like uh, I, I was so different from this lady that i performed for so many years because she looked more professional. She looked more serious. She looked de- presentable and decent. And like, oh, and I was told repeatedly, you should be more feminine. And no matter how much I tried, I was still being told to be more feminine. Uh, I, I was like, do them wearing pink and dresses and 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 yeah, small earrings and and come be in my hair every day. No, no, but still, you need to be more feminine. Like, what the hell? What is that supposed to mean? And and it's again, it's just performance. And it's a it's a way of keeping us distracted, right? If we are obsessed with meeting these impossible beauty standards, if we are obsessed with performing these roles in exactly the way that we're supposed to quote unquote perform them, it keeps us distracted. It keeps us from actually gaining power. It it keeps us from actually building community in which we have power with one another as opposed to over one another. And it's really a tool for that. And one of, I think the most damaging things is that I don't know about for you, but for me, I learned that from the women in my life. 
And so when I was fit, so the summer that I turned 15 and I was going into high school up until then I had, I dressed like a, like a quote unquote tomboy, right? I had baggy jeans, baggy shirts. I wore boots. Like I did not, I, I didn't feel comfortable with my body. And, and I just, I was very much a tomboy, you know, I did a lot of sporty things and it was like, whatnot. And I remember, and up until that point in my life too, I had been pretty much invisible, right? Like guys hadn't really noticed me much. I didn't really have friends, you know, teachers didn't notice me. I was pretty, it was pretty non-existent in the world. And then my grandma took me shopping and she dressed me in short little pleated plaid skirts and tight dresses that showed off every curve and she sexualized the fucking hell out of me. And I went into high school and I became the girl to fuck. And, and, and that then immediately I knew I got so much attention. I was like, this is how I don't be invisible anymore. And then, so for most of my life, I continued to dress that way because it got me what I wanted, but then it also didn't. Cause I remember being in university and there was nothing I could do to tone down my sex appeal enough. I bought glasses. I didn't show any cleavage. I did like all this stuff. And there was this, I just sort of ooze sexuality, like naturally. And there, I couldn't turn it off. No one yeah. would take me seriously. It didn't matter what I fucking wore. And it's like that this is the treadmill that we're kept on. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's about performance because we didn't change from one day to the other. We were just no. called to perform the sexy, cute girl. Uh, and yes. of course, that worked against us all the time. It, it, it was really used against us. It wasn't really empowering even. It was used against us. Uh, so it's a, it's a game where we're losing either way, right? What if you are too... Yeah to appeal in and but if you're not so it's really a lose-lose game yeah I I think that's so important is it's like we can't win and and I think really what that does is we look at at that triple power triangle of intelligence sexuality and money is like if we're distracted by how we're supposed to look if we're distracted by how we're supposed to act and behave and like whatnot then we can't unite those three things which ultimately i think would completely change the fucking world exactly 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 thank you i i want to leave that conversation with that point that is such a powerful thing like that's the reason why this power is taken away from us so that we are too distracted to actually obtain this powerful triangle Thank you so much for this conversation. As usual, we just get started and we just cannot finish. Like we just keep going. <laughs> One of a three-hour podcast, it would be for between you and I. <laughs> yeah, I, I really want to 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 get to do something like that with you, to get to do like a monthly podcast or something like that, because we have the best conversations ever. <laughs> we, we do, they're so organic and they just like go whatever way they want to go. And I love that we both really love and embrace that. Yeah. It's a very different way of talking about things. And I think that there's real power in it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Thank you I so much for that. having me. <laughs> and, and then we have such a similar uh, 
view about these experiences. We are both, uh, it, I mean, people don't know this, but we are the same age. We are like, like the same life experiences. And now that you say, oh, when I was 15 years old, I'm like, yeah, my grandmother threw away my combat boots. That same right? age. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> grandma. But they did it because that's how they learned to survive in the world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. They, they did it because that for them meant survival, meant thriving. Like yeah. the one way in which a woman could thrive was by getting a good husband. So yeah. that's what they wanted for us. It's just recently that we have been reclaiming that opportunity of becoming the rich man and not being yes. married to one, right? Like we want to thrive on our own right. That's a powerful concept. The idea of becoming the rich man versus marrying one. Yeah. Oof. Is, is, did you come up with that? No, it's actually from Mark Zuckerberg. You know, somebody, a woman told Mark Zuckerberg, hey, I wish my, my daughter could marry a man like you. And he said, no, you, she, she better becomes a man like me. Like, <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. I guess he's okay. Interesting. See, again, interesting. Some of the good shit comes from the system we're trying to overthrow or from the people that benefit from the system we're trying to overthrow. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Thank you. It's not, um, I know that sometimes we just want to burn the fucking system down, but the truth is that we, at the end of the day, uh, we are just trying to build something uh, using the pieces that, that, has, that, that have been born from this system. Like we couldn't really just burn the whole thing down because it's not, it's not useful. It's not the way we do things actually. I feel like that, that's one of the biggest fears of, of patriarchy when it comes to women taking power. They fear, oh, like, oh, th that's a whole other conversation I want to have. Like the, the, I was just reading about the rise of the fear mongering of women in power, how they are showing yeah. shows in which women just lose their mind once they become a queen. And they become just more evil and more cruel. And, and I'm yep. like, they, they are telling us that we are dangerous. It's just a different yep. system, uh, way of telling us that we're dangerous. But we are not. Actually, when we take our power, we are more generous. We are kinder. And we care for everybody else. Because that's the way in which we have been uh, doing things for a long time now. Yeah, that's, that's a great insight. And it's so true. It's like, we're, we... Anytime we see a powerful woman, there's always, you know, she's always very, she's portrayed in a way that, that we're meant to fear, you know? Um, and, and it's interesting. Like, I would say, I think, I think powerful women are dangerous, but not in the way that they're portrayed in the media. Yeah. I, I think the danger is that we want power with. Yeah. you know with one another that we that we want to do things differently and just the act of being divergent of doing things differently is dangerous but it's not it's dangerous to the systems and to the people that want to continue hate yeah. it's not dangerous to to the allies because the truth is we need those cis white heterosexual guys to get on board not all of them we'll never have that but we need a bunch of them and, and, and we don't do that by like wiping them all out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Oh, Although I do feel so like much. I'm, I'm noticing how my my lights just went off. You just got to see the sunset with me here. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> We've got probably another two hours of light here. So oh, amazing. <laughs> Thank Aww. you so much for this conversation. And I promise, guys, I will bring Katerina more often to this space and just make sure to follow her. Uh, what so I know that you are right now going through a, a deep transition in your business, but I want people to follow you in your page, in your Instagram. I will be uh, writing down all the details down below. Uh, is there something you'd like to invite people to at this at this moment? Sure. So I mean, you have a couple of options if you want additional content beyond what's on my Instagram. I send out a liberation letter every Sunday that you can sign up. The link is in my bio for my Instagram. And I also have a self-discovery masterclass, um, which is designed to take you through those uh, initial phases of unmasking your divergence, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you actually do that? How do you actually unmask it? And then how do you quantify it so you can communicate it, you know, if you are in business, because that's really my focus is how do we leverage your divergence to liberate your livelihood? But there's also a lot of stuff, even if you're not in business, that's, that's really powerful. So those are two different things that you can get from me. Um, links are in my bio um, and Instagram and it's free and easy to do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So amazing. Thank you so much, Katerina. And we'll see you soon. Thank you.